Chapter 31, The Enemy Above, a novel of World War II by Michael P. Spradlin. The priest Grotto felt much safer to Anton than the other cave they had hidden in, at least at first. For one thing, it was enormous. The cave's passage went on for many kilometers. The most important feature, though, was the underground lake that kept them fully supplied with water. His uncle Dimitri explained to him that this cave was composed primarily of gypsum instead of limestone. Both of them were soft minerals, which meant that for thousands of years, water had worked its way through the ground to carve out the nooks and crannies they now lived in. The gypsum was soft enough to work with. They carved benches, stools, even tables from the rock. All in all, it was a good place to be trapped. But the elders reminded them every day that they were still in grave danger. The women and children did not leave the cave under any circumstances. Dimitri and the other men would not foraging would go foraging only when supplies ran low. The school, the whole community did their best to make life in the caves as normal as possible. Boba and the other women did everything they could to keep their traditions alive. They observed the Sabbath, feasted on whatever they had available. It was tough to keep kosher, but Boba promised that God would forgive them. The days passed slowly. Weeks turned into months, and they still remained hidden. Eventually, Anton went out with Dimitri on supply runs. Boba argued against it, of course, but Dimitri convinced her that he and the other men could use an extra pair of hands. Anton became adept at locating vegetable gardens. They would take just enough to keep the farmers from noticing that any of their crops were missing. He helped gather winter wheat, which the women in the cave ground into flour. But potatoes were his specialty. Anton developed a sixth sense for looting potato fields. Hanukkah came that winter, and everyone in the cave agreed that his baba makes the best latkes. It was a good thing, too. Often there was nothing else to eat. Although there were no candles to light our presents to exchange, Anton helped the littlest children make cradles out of wood. He wished his friends Daniels were here to charm them with his gentle, teasing smile. Anton did not know where Daniel could be. Dimitri had not seen him since the ambush. Anton hoped that his friend had found another safe place to hide from the Nazis, who refused to believe Daniel had been captured. Every day, Anton waited for his friend to appear. Occasionally, newcomers would arrive at the cave and the community would take them in, but none of them ever turned out to be Daniel. In the spring, they observed Passover. Bubba had the one small sweep away the dirt on the cavern floor, while the women washed the dishes and cooked a fine meal. They ate heartily that first evening. On a supply run, Dimitri had even managed to trade two bottles of wine. They poured glass for the prophet Elijah and thanked God for all the many blessings they were grateful for. We are still alive, thought Anton. Whatever else may happen, at least I can be thankful for that. It was difficult to find out news of the war. Once Dimitri managed to bring home a three-month-old French newspaper, no one could read it, but there were pictures of American soldiers in the streets of Paris. This brought cheers and celebration dinner for the group that night. The Americans were pushing the Germans back, but the Germans counteracted. The Russians were moving west, but the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, kept them from making any real progress. No one knew what to believe. One night, while Anton and Dimitri were returning from a foraging trip, a niggling thought itched at the back of Anton's mind. He knew they needed to hurry. They had gone farther from the cave than usual, and it would be daylight soon, but he could not seem to ignore it. Uncle Dimitri, may I ask a question? Of course, nephew, Dimitri answered. Do you suppose something happened to Daniel? He paused. Something bad? No, I do not. Why? Because I have faith. Why? Anton repeated. You must always trust in God, Anton, his uncle said softly. Demetri could sense that something was, some, something was troubling Anton. What about Rinna and her child? Didn't they have faith? Rinna was a devout woman. 
I'm sure she believed that God would watch over her. And yet she and her son are dead. This is a conversation for a rabbi, which I am not. Faith is a belief in things we cannot know or see. Things are not meant to things we are not meant to understand. It is a belief that God has a plan. What happened to Rena and her son was tragic. I cannot explain to you why it happened, but you must pray for them and for God to guide you, to guide us. I'm sorry, Anta. For all of this, that we live in a cave like animals, that we must scrouge for food like rats, you should be enjoying your childhood. Of all of us, sometimes I feel it's you who has lost the most. You were so young when your mother died, Dimitri sighed. As I said, God's plan is God's plan. We do as, our, we do as he commands us. The rest, I'm sorry, I have no words. They walked on silence, but the cacophony of the questions pinged around Anton's head. All day long, the, in the, into the night, he had felt uneasy as if something was about to happen. He could not rid himself of the feeling. Do you think my father is alive? He heard his uncle breathe in sharply. They walked on for a while before Dimitri answered. I do not know. I'm being truthful with you. I truly do not know, but I fear he may not be. Why? Anton felt his chest tighten. You were too young to remember, or perhaps Bubba kept it from you. Your father enlisted in the Polish cavalry in July 1939, but the Poles did not have tanks like we think we were. Think of when we hear the word cavalry today. Their cavalry was made up of men on horseback. The Germans attacked Poland that September, and the Germans did have tanks, and artillery, and infantry, and German salt were swift and vicious. They called it the Blitzkrieg. It means lightning war. The Polish army was nearly destroyed. Those who were not captured were killed. So I do not know what has become of your father, if he survived. He could still be alive. Perhaps he's a prisoner of war. But if I know my brother, he would not cower or run away from the fight, no matter the odds. If there was a man who would take on a panzer tank with nothing more than a horse and a sword, it would be your brother. It would be my brother, Nikolai. I wish I could give you an answer. All we can hope for is to learn his faith once his terrible war has ended. I'm sorry. I know it's not what you wish to hear. Now we must hurry. Light is coming and we must be in the cave before the sun comes up. There are German troops still about. On, on they walked through the woods, the light growing brighter in the east, as they crept closer to the cave's entrance, and an easy feeling Anton had not been able to shake grew even stronger. Suddenly, Anton heard shouting in the distance, and the screams of his friends, no, his family, filled his ears. Sergei, Ava, little Lena Weiss, Anton, and Dmitri dropped their sacks of food and ran. Something was wrong. Something was very wrong. Their people always whispered. They would only be shouting if they had been ambushed. Then came to the sound Anton prayed he wouldn't hear, his Bubba's voice. And this time, Anton did not know how he would protect her.